0: Glad that you're here, and that you chose to be with us this morning, and uh, I'm thankful that it's not snowing outside, to be honest. And any day that it's not snowing is a good day, but it is a good Friday, and we have uh, much to celebrate today. It's good Friday because of the good that was accomplished for us on that day that Jesus suffered. God is a good God. And even through the brutality of what was happening that day, God had a good plan because He loves us, and he wants to do good things in our lives. Uh, To the observer that day, there was nothing good happening. Evil was winning. Hearts were turning. Minds were changing. The cheers of Hosanna had turned into cries for crucifixion, which always happens when we choose our way over God's way. We killed the truth that is crying out to be heard. It's amazing how strong and how deep our faith can be in, in one moment. I mean, we just celebrated that last, last weekend, Palm Sunday. And then how shallow our faith can be just minutes later when we're deceived by a lie. Just a few days earlier, the people were, were, they were praising their King Jesus as he rode in on a donkey. And on this day, they were out to kill him because they listened to a lie and they turned their back on the truth. They were out for blood. Jesus was out for blood as well, out to shed his own blood for the salvation of the very ones who were taking his life. See, every temptation begins with a lie. It began with uh, with Eve and the snake. The very first temptation began with with a lie, where the the snake gets Eve to to question and to doubt: Is did God really say? Is that really what God meant? Don't you think that God's just trying to, to keep something from you? If the people on Good Friday didn't doubt that Jesus really was the Messiah, they wouldn't have turned on him. No one woke up that day thinking, uh, I think I'm going to kill God today. This, this seems like a good day to just kill God. That's not, that's not what they were thinking, they were deceived. And in the moment of temptation, we question everything. The temptation inside of us, it it builds like the roar of the crowd in your head. And you have to choose between, between Jesus and Barabbas. Those are the choices. Life or death. Right or wrong. Do I really believe that this man is the very Son of God? And what you believe about Jesus affects every area of your life. If this is true, if Jesus is true, then I can't just, I, just, I can't just nod to it once in a while. I can't be nominal about it or, or, or just seasonally agree to it. It's either true or it isn't true. And if it is true, then we have to choose Jesus with every area of our lives, every choice that we make, every decision, even when the rest of the world is screaming, Give us Barabbas! If it's true, then we need to say, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 27. Don read the, the second part of the story. We're going to read the first part, beginning in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 27. Now, Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you've said it. When the leading priest and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges? They're bringing against you, Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone that they, they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want? Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And he knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I've suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. The pilot saw that he wasn't getting anywhere, that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. We and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to him. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Verse 22, Pilate responded to the crowd by saying, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And that's the question that every, every person needs to answer at some point. That's the question. You're, you're going to have to answer that question before you leave here this morning. It, it's unavoidable. You're going to have to answer that same question. What do I do with this Jesus who is called the Messiah? Even though the crowd was shouting for death, Pilate himself had questions. Pilate was intrigued by Jesus. That might be where you're at this morning. What do I do with this Jesus? Well, what are my, what are my options with Jesus? Let me, let me throw out some of your options with Jesus today. You could ignore him. That's, that's one option. You can just simply ignore him. You could write him out of your life. You, can, you could shove Jesus to the farthest reaches of your consciousness. Push him so far to the, to the fringe that of your life that he only surfaces when somebody else mentions his name, somebody curses, or you hear something on the news, or you see somebody wearing a cross, or you drive by a church or whatever. And you could ignore him you cannot eradicate him. There have been several attempts in history to rid the earth of Jesus. And every time that, 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 uh, that a group or a nation or somebody tries to eradicate the world of Jesus, the church grows stronger in faith and numbers. The church just keeps rising up around that. You cannot eradicate him. But you can choose to ignore him as just some random person in history that got a bunch of radicals around him and they would not shut up. And you can ignore him. I just read this uh, fascinating book by Greg Monette. It's called The Wrong Jesus. And I I just, I simply devoured this in a a couple of days. It was was excellent. Greg is, Greg lives in Halifax. And and Greg is a student of Craig Evans, who is our guest speaker here in a couple of days, Easter Sunday morning. And uh, if you've been ignoring Jesus... Or if, or if you've never really taken the time to research and find out for yourself who is this guy, what does uh, what does history say about him? What what do secular historians say about him? What does what does archaeology teach us about who this Jesus is? I strongly encourage you to to at least read something like this, read this, and have a look for yourself. Greg tells us of his own journey of doubt and how he wondered, you know what. Why do I believe in, in Jesus? And how he, he, he started down this road of, of, of studying the historical Jesus and looking into the archaeological ed, evidence for, for who Jesus really is. Not just as a person, but as the Son of God. And, and in this book, Craig gives, gives us reason after reason after reason to believe that the Bible is true and Jesus really is who he says he is. So one option is to ignore him, but I wouldn't do that. If I was you, I wouldn't do that until I studied for myself who Jesus really is. Another option is you can can just come a little bit closer from time to time, but, you know, keeping a safe distance from Jesus, but just coming a little bit closer every once in a while. Like, Jesus is my oil change. You can do that. You know, routine maintenance when I absolutely need it, and then drive her hard in between those services. You can do that. Uh, Another option is you could have a, a, a relationship of convenience with Jesus. You know, open Bible in case of emergency relationship with Jesus. Pray when something breaks or pray when something goes wrong. Cozy up to Jesus every now and then just to, you know, just to kind of keep things warm so that he doesn't drop me completely. And a lot of people do that. Uh, another step that you could take would be to 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 accept Jesus nominally like like he 's a, a check mark like a bucket list item to accept him nominally and make other people think that you that you like him you can even go to church you can carry a bible you know the bigger bible you carry the 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 holier you are sarcastic you can do that maybe raise your hand every once in, not too high but you know just just a little bit, just to make people think that you're, 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 you're into Jesus. The people who don't know you think that you're a solid follower of Jesus. And the people who know you best know that you're a poser. And you could do that. A lot of people do. Or you could give him your life. That's one of your options. You could trust Jesus with your life. And this is the most dangerous option. It's, it's the safest in terms of eternity. But we don't define following Jesus on earth as, as safe, sterile, easy, or trouble-free. In fact, just to be high definition clear on this, Jesus said himself in Luke chapter 8, verse 23, he said this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. This is one of the ways that we know that the first followers of Jesus, uh, the ones who recorded all of this for us, the ones who started this movement that is still going strong today, this is one of the ways that we know that, that Jesus really was who he said he was. Because who, after watching a crucifixion, who would sign up for that? Who, who would, after seeing Jesus whipped and beaten and dragging his cross through town, who would, would think, well, well, where do I get a cross? Where, where do I sign up Cause, so that I can go through, through something like that? And Jesus said, hey, if you want to be a follower of me, if you really want to follow me, you have to take up your own cross. And, f- and for some of them, it was a very literal cross. Literal cross. Most of the disciples of Jesus were, were martyred for their faith. So it's not, it's not necessarily safe, but it is your, the best. If you're going to give Jesus your life, you have to be prepared to take up your cross. Why? Well, there might be people in your life who don't understand your decision to follow Jesus. Follow him anyways. There might be times when you have to stand for truth or injustice. Follow him anyways. You might be put in a position at work where you have to say, As a follower of Jesus, I cannot do that. Follow him anyways. He might call on you to give your time or your talent or your treasure. He might ask you to serve, go on a short-term missions trip to the Congo or, or to Haiti. He might ask you to leave everything and give the rest of your life in serving others. Follow him anyway. I was telling, sharing with someone this week, uh, friends of ours, and uh, Joanne uh, Orleski from Fredericton. When I was pastoring the church in Fredericton, we started a satellite church down in Oromocto. And uh, several military families came to Jesus through that, through that satellite church. And Chris and Joanne were one of them. And, and God got a hold of their lives uh, in, in a powerful way, very exciting way. And the closer they got to Jesus and the more that they understood God's word and, and, uh, and, and what it all meant, the more dissatisfied they got with living a comfortable life in Canada. And just last year, uh, Chris and Joanne and their three little kids, uh, he resigned from the military. They cashed out, sold everything that they owned, and took their little family and moved to Haiti to serve in an orphanage there. It's... Don't don't say that you're going to give your life to Jesus unless you're willing to give everything. Unless you're willing to follow follow him no matter what that means, no matter what he asks you to do. Take up your cross and follow me. There's a verse in this text that we read that is chilling. It's verse 25. And the people yelled back, We will take responsibility for his death. We and our children. It's possible to want something so much that you're willing to sacrifice even the future of your children. We can get so self-centered and so absorbed by what we want or how bad we want out of a situation that we just don't care how far the damage goes. Adults, we make decisions every day that affect our children, either positively or negatively. God help us. God help us in those moments not to choose Barabbas. Not to look at our options and say, I could choose Jesus Or I could choose Barabbas, but I want what I want, and I don't care who it affects, and I don't care who it hurts. Give me Barabbas. And it's chilling to hear the people say, we don't care. We'll take the responsibility, we and our children. God, help us not to take the easy way out. Not to ignore the voice of God's truth in our lives. If we make the decision to bring children into this world, it's our responsibility to teach our children how to make it out of this world. Verse 25 is chilling. It, 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 just, it just shows us uh, how messed up we really are as a people. It shows us the depth of our, of our darkness, of our depravity. We, we free Barabbas and we flog Jesus. You see, God didn't send his son into this world to make good people better. God came to rescue sinners. To bring us who were dead in our sins back to life. He came to to drive out all the darkness in our lives. And verse 25 shows us just how deep that darkness is. To free us from our chains, from the garbage and the junk and the stuff in our lives that that messes us up. God came to, to power wash a bunch of sinners so that when we stand before God, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our junk and our mess. When we stand before him, God can just see the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. One of the letters of, of Paul is a, a book called Colossians. Uh, it was written around the year 60. Paul was in prison in Rome. And uh, listen to these words from, from Paul. Colossians chapter 2, 13, 14, and 15. Paul says, you were dead. Okay? It's, it's not like we were already good people and we just needed a little tweak. Okay? Before Jesus... In your sins, you are dead. You were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God, this is Good Friday, made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he, dis, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The words that Paul chooses to, to describe this for us, he, he uses a lot of financial terms, like a transaction. And he says, You were dead, buried alive in the depths of, depths of debts, D-E-B-T-S. Debt, I keep saying depths. I want to say debts, D-E-B-T-S, of your sins. And in the moment that you choose to follow Jesus with 100%, in the moment that you go all in, in the moment where, where, where something changes and, and, you, and you decide, I, I, I need to not only think about Jesus or have a safe distance from Jesus or be a seasonal you know, follower of Jesus, I need to go all in and I need to believe that he is the, the son of God and he paid the price for my sin. The moment that you do that, you go all in. Paul says that God forgives, there's a financial term, he forgives everything that you owed. The price was paid when Jesus gave his life as a down payment on your freedom. Forgave is a, is a, it's a financial term, like your debts being erased, all of your debts being erased. If this morning somehow we, we added up all the debt that's in this room right now, you know, gulp, right? Imagine the debt, that, the debt that is in this room right now. If we added up all the debt, imagine all of the debt of every person in this room being erased right now. You'd say that is a good Friday. Would you not, right? You'd be like, Man, that was the best Friday ever. Let's do that again next year, right? Jesus did way more than that on the cross. You you have to think in terms of, of, of there was no way that you could possibly, be, possibly pay the price for your sin. There, it just wasn't possible. There's nothing, there's nothing that you could do. And the only thing that was ever going to erase our debt was Jesus Christ being willing to lay His body and pay the price, pay your price on on the cross. That's the only way. Uh, Paul says he canceled. There's another financial term: the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Uh, there's other places in Scripture that uses these kinds, same kind of terms to help people understand the debt. That was paid. Gives us an image of what God has done. Uh, scripture uses words like redeem, and justified, and grace. You ever have a grace period? Well, well, grace with Jesus lasts forever. Verse fifteen. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Paul says that Jesus disarmed them. You know, the Roman soldiers standing there and they think they've got all the power. Paul says, actually, he disarmed them. The cross flips everything. Everything gets flipped on the cross. What they meant as punishment, God meant as providence. They thought they were making an example of him. God knew that he was making an example of his son, an example of humility and suffering and obedience for for all of us. What they thought would, would kill him was the very thing that was going to save them and give them life if they would later accept Jesus Christ. The mocking, the spitting, the humiliating, all of that. They they thought they were putting him down. All they were doing was lifting him higher and higher as the king of kings. Every whip, every rod, every stone, every sword, fist and thorn that was breaking the body of Jesus was building the case for Jesus at the very same time. He was not being brought low. He was being elevated even to death on the cross because he was accomplishing his mission to bring us from death to new life. In the days of the Romans, the cross was the billboard for shame. There was nothing lower for them than than the cross, it was the billboard for shame. Our English word excruciating comes from the Latin word that means out of the cross excruciating. The cross was the ultimate public torture and humiliation. Paul says that Jesus flipped everything. They didn't shame Jesus. Jesus shamed them. They didn't win a victory. Jesus was the winner, even with his hands and his feet nailed to a cross. Well, it's Good Friday because it's good news. And it's good news because God can take your losses, your failures, your shame your defeat, your sin, and he can redeem it. He can cancel. He can forgive everything. He can give you a clean slate. He can give you a fresh start. He can give you new life today in Jesus Christ. See, so Good Friday is like the pause button. It's like the pause button. We, we just stop for a moment to consider the price that has been paid for our salvation. On Sunday morning at 9, 15, and 11, we're going to press play we're going to press play and we're going to crank it up and we're going to celebrate the risen Jesus but on good friday we hit pause we just we just stop to consider the price that has been paid now this morning so i'm i'm uh, studying and praying and and uh, just asking god to give me direction on this and he clearly told me not to hold back on giving you giving us this morning an opportunity to respond to god's grace an opportunity to respond to jesus christ we Sunday's a-coming, but we don't need to wait for Sunday, because Jesus is here. And this is an invitation to go all in. This is not an invitation to come back next year for Easter. This is not an invitation to to, to just, you know, kind of nod towards Jesus. This is an invitation to give Him your life, to surrender your life to Him, to trust Him with your life, to say, Jesus I believe. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. I believe you're here right now, and I want to invite you to come in to my life. Believing that He died for your sin, to give you new life, by committing to this today, you will live for Him. You will serve Him. You will follow Him for the rest of your life. The band is going to lead us in a song called Scandal of Grace. And we're going to have a bold invitation to follow Jesus this morning. Uh, it's Good Friday, and, and Good Friday is bold. And we're going to have a bold invitation this morning. So, what I'm going to ask us to do is, is remain seated as Pastor Jay and, and the band lead us in the song, Scandal of Grace. Feel free to sing along. We'll throw the words up there. Feel free to sing. And if today is a day that you are choosing, to, to give your life, you're choosing to give your life to Jesus, to believe in Him as your Savior, to trust Him as your Savior. If today is a day when you need to cross that line of faith, and what I'm going to ask you to do, and it's pretty bold, what I'm going to ask you to do is to stand. Just take a stand for Jesus. And say, I'm in. I'm in, I'm all in. And Jesus, I'll, I'm yours. Come into my life. And forgive me and save me and cleanse me from everything I've ever done. And, and give me new life today. That's pretty pretty bold. You might be standing alone, but you're not alone. You're not alone. We're with you. We're all with you. And what will happen is... What will happen is every time somebody stands, the congregation will do just that. They'll, they'll cheer and, and, and applaud uh, because there's nothing more important than a changed life. Today could be your good Friday. Let's pray together. God, oh, Jesus, I thank you that you're here. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, again this morning for the, the your obedience, your willingness to, to do anything for us, to suffer anything, through anything for us, to pay any price for us because you loved us so much You are willing to give your life that whoever would believe in you that we would never perish but that we would have eternal life. Jesus, you're here right now. I know that you're speaking to hearts. I pray, God, that you would be with the people who are, who are thinking right now, what choice do I make? And I pray that you would help them to choose Jesus and to, to, to simply invite you into their life to stand to their feet and say, Jesus, I'm all in this morning. Come into my life thank you, God, for what you're doing here this morning. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.